Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant, another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churchtea.org. Well, good morning. It is Resurrection Sunday. It's not just Easter with bunny rabbits and eggs and stuff like that. It is Resurrection Sunday. Something that was dead, a person that was dead came back to life. And then he offers life to all of us. I got a passage of scripture for you. I read this this morning before I left the house. And I thought it would be appropriate because we have guests here. And you may never have been in a church service like this. It's okay because the Apostle Paul writes this. If it seems like we're crazy... It's to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it's for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we celebrate that this weekend, we also believe that, he ha- that we have all died to our old lives. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for, live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. That's what we celebrate today is Jesus came back to life. And we do seem a little bit crazy. We seem crazy. You know why? Because we absolutely believe it. And our hope for you today is that you would understand the words Jesus spoke some time ago. John 11, 25, and 26, he finds a family grieving at a tomb at a graveside. A brother named Lazarus had passed away. Jesus shows up. He looks at his sister grieving. He says, says, I am the resurrection and the life. Though a man die, yet shall he live. And if a man lives and believes in me, He shall never die. And he looks at her and he asks this question. He says, do you believe this? That's the question for all of us today. You see, Jesus is still making that statement. He's still making that claim that he is the resurrection and the life. And he's still asking the question, do you believe it? He's asking each of us today, do you believe it? Here's the good thing about it. Knowing that he made the claim, he backed the claim up with action. He backed it up with response. He, ba- he backed it up with power. He backed it up with, 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 with evidence. And we're going to talk about that this morning. And so if you would, you can, if you need a Bible, I think our ushers have passed them out. You guys need one? Anybody need a Bible? We'll give one to you. Anybody need one? Oh, you all are good. Okay. Wait, right here, right here, right here, right in front. Right here. Two of them. All right. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians 15. The Apostle Paul writes this. Verse 3. I passed on to you what was most important. This is not just a side issue. This is not just a a small thing. Paul, what Paul's about to say here is the most important. I passed along to you what was most important and what also had been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried. 
And he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. So here's the deal. This, this is the essence of everything that Christianity is based on. This is the epitome of what we believe as followers of Christ. If you're visiting with us today, I'm about to give you why we believe what we believe. If you're already a follower of Christ, I'm just going to refresh you for a minute. And remind you of what's most important. It's not everything else. It is this that's most important. Jesus lived. You want to find out about it? Read the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The whole story from four books of the scripture all about his life. Where he was born, where he lived, what he did, how he loved, how he preached, how he touched people's lives. He lived. But he didn't stay with just living. The scriptures say he died. Friday was Good Friday. For those of you who don't know what Good Friday is, the day we celebrate the fact that Jesus died. And I know that seems really weird to you. You celebrated death. Yes, we absolutely do. Because that death makes all the difference in the world to us. He died an ugly death. You know why? Because I deserved it. Because you deserved it. Because we were separated from God because, you know what, we have this thing coursing through our, through our veins called sin. And we don't like to talk about it. We don't want to think about it. We want to try and avoid it if we can. But the issue is this. We all lie. We all cheat. We all say stupid things. We all think nasty thoughts. We all have done crazy stuff. That, like, like what Derek described in those words, death creeped in on us. And Jesus died so that we wouldn't have to. And because he was died, he was buried. Because he died, he was buried. He was buried. You can read about both those things in, in all the details of Matthew 27 or Mark 15 or Luke 23 or John 19. You can go check it up. Check, check, check up on me if you want to. It's all there. And he talks about the, how, he was, how he was hung on a cross, how he was beaten, and how they took him off the cross late on a Friday afternoon. They wrapped him in clothes, grave cloths. They took him off. They placed him in a tomb. The religious people were worried that Jesus' followers would try something silly and steal the body because he'd been claiming that he would rise from the dead. And they thought they'd pull some hoax and run away with it. And they take this big rock and they seal the door and they put, they, they, and they put uh, guards by it. Thanks, whoever was helping me. I heard it. Thanks for the prompt. Put guards by the door. Thought they could keep him in there. But Paul went on to say, he was raised from the dead on the third day. He came out of that thing. Didn't matter how big the rock was, how many guards were there. Didn't matter how, bad, how dead he was. He came out of there. And some of you were sitting there going, yeah, whatever. How do you know that? No, 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 no. How about I give you some evidence? Because that's what Paul does. Paul says these words. Look at, look at verse 5. He was, he was dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. He was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. Verse 5 says this. He was seen. Now, for some hoax, that's pretty intense. Especially when you don't have computer-generated graphics like those bones coming together a minute ago. That's pretty crazy. No, no, no smoke and mirrors. No weird camera effects. Nothing like that. Peter's, Peter's living life, trying to get over grief. And guess who shows up? The fellow he was grieving about. Peter was seen, I mean, he was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom, Paul writes, are still alive. You know what he's saying? Go check up on it for me. 
You don't believe me? There are people who are alive who are going to attest to the fact that, they were, that he was seen. And he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, Paul says these words, I saw him. And like Paul, he says this, I am, we're like him. For I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. So Peter and the twelve see him. Scriptures are clear on that. Luke 24, 33, and 34. There are these two guys who are, who are we only know the name of one of them. His name was Cleopas. The other one, we don't know what his name is. They're taking a walk. They're grieving. They're trying to figure out what life's going on. And Jesus walks with them on the road to Emmaus. They come running back home and like, you won't believe, we just walked with Jesus. Everybody's like, do what? The man is dead. Nuh-uh. We saw him. We talked to him. He took the bread and broke it, just like he used to. We used to sit around the table together. And they're like, wow, are you kidding? And then we pick up in verse 33. It says, and within the hour, they went back to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 disciples, the others who had gathered with them, and who said, the Lord is really arisen. He appeared to Peter. John 20 reads like this, that Sunday evening, disciples were meeting behind locked doors. Maybe we should do that in here just for fun. No, I'm just kidding. Because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. They were grieving and they were afraid. Suddenly, Jesus was suddenly. Now, how cool would it be if we locked all the doors? You can't see in, you can't get out, you can't move. And all of a sudden, like standing right there in the middle of the fire aisle, right there, suddenly Jesus is standing there. Blam! Some of you guys would go running for the doors, like, get me out of here. And there they are, t- tucked away in this darkness, and Jesus shows up. Oh, is that crazy? Suddenly, Jesus was standing with, there with, among them. Peace be with you. I suppose they had to say that because they were freaking out. And he spoke, and he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. Look, this is really me. That's what he's saying. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. And again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. He goes on, Thomas wasn't there. One of the 12 apostles, the 12 disciples, he wasn't there. And he missed all the excitement. And they tried to tell him about it. He's like, dude, I'm not going to believe it. I'm not believing it until I see it. Some of you guys are like that. I'm not believing it until I see it. Jesus is like, I, I got Thomas covered too. Verse 26 of John 20, eight days later, the disciples were together. Again, and this time, Thomas was with them. The doors were locked again. How about y'all join me here another week? We'll do this all over again. Now, would that be cool? We'll lock the doors again and see what happens. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. And guess what he says? Peace be with you. Stop freaking out, boys. We got this. Then then Jesus told them, you believe because you've seen me. Now this is for us. But blessed are they who believe without seeing me. That's for you today. So he was seen by Peter and the twelve. We just described that. Now, Paul goes on to say he was seen by more than 500 at a time. Many scholars believe this is Paul's reference to what we call the Great Commission in Matthew 28. This is all over. Some days have gone by. He's appeared to them several times. He says, everybody who's following me, meet me out at the Mount of Olives. And they go running out there. Jesus said, I got some last instructions. A bunch of people show up on the mountain. No sound system, no screens, no microphones, nothing like that. Just him and his, him and his people showing up on the mountain. Jesus appears to them again. And he gives them what we call the Great Commission. 500 of them sitting around there at that moment. 
And he says these words, I have been given all authority. I guess a guy who comes back to life all by himself can say that. At that moment, you can say anything you want to say, I think. Everybody else just got to deal with it, right? He said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all I've, all I've commanded you. And be sure of this. I love this. This is for every one of us in this room. Be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I don't know what you're walking through. I don't know how bad life is right now, but Jesus makes the same declaration to every one of us. I am with you. If you'll come walk with me, I'll never leave. I'll never forsake you. You you can be with me, and I will be with you, and we're going to make it to the end of the road, man. 500 people saw him at one point. Paul goes on to say, James and the apostles. Now, James is the brother of Jesus. Here's a cool, here's a cool stat. One time, anybody, have, anybody ever have like an older brother or sister who's all that in a bag of chips? Can you imagine Jesus being your older brother? Just for a minute, just put that in. I wish you could act more like Jesus. Well, don't we all? You know what I mean? James is the half-brother of Jesus. Mary and Joseph's other boy. Can you imagine being the other boy? One time he comes to, comes, to, comes to the disciples, Jesus is beside himself. The man has lost his mind. I grew up with him. He, he does all kinds of weird stuff. And you guys think he's the Messiah. James thought at one point Jesus was absolutely crazy. But now, James becomes an apostle. And he follows Jesus to the end of the road. Paul has a conversation with James. It's, it, it, Paul talks about it briefly in Galatians. He says, the only other apostle I met at the time was James, the Lord's brother. He says, I would declare to you what I'm telling you, what I've written in this is absolutely the truth. James saw Jesus at some point. I think Paul and him had a conversation at this meeting Paul describes. And James talks about seeing his brother come back to life. That would be like, you know, here he goes again. I mean, I just wish I could, you know, keep my room clean and Jesus is coming back to life, you know. But he believed. He followed. In fact, James would be martyred at one point. We'll talk about that in a minute. Then Paul, years later, time later, he's, he's, he's persecuting people. He is having people killed. He's having people imprisoned. He's having people uh, beat up because they follow Christ. Paul is the worst of the worst. Aren't any of us as big as bad of a sinner, most of us in this room, than Paul was? But Paul thought he was doing it for right reasons. That's pretty wild. And Paul was traveling one day on his business. You read about it in Acts chapter 9. Paul was riding, is riding towards Damascus to go have people beaten and imprisoned and maybe killed because of their faith. And Paul's running down the road on his, on his horse. You ever heard the story, getting knocked off your high horse? Anybody heard that? Heard that cliche? It comes from Paul. Paul's on his high horse. He's running to Damascus. All of a sudden, a light appears. He gets knocked off of that thing. He's laying there in the middle of the road. He hears this voice, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And his only response is this. Who are you, Lord? I guess if you're in the middle of the, the daylight and the sun suddenly gets really bright and there's enough power to knock you off your horse, I guess the only response is, hey, Lord, who are you? He's knocked to the ground and his life changes forever. And Paul said, I've seen him. I've had conversations with him. You need evidence? Just talk to me. I've seen him. He's alive. There's the evidence for you. Well, that doesn't, that's not good enough for me. Well, here's the fact. And first, the conclusion is this. It's happened. 
Paul goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 15, 20, he says these words, But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. Well, big deal. Paul said that. Okay, we can go there if you want to. There's this fellow named Josephus. He's a Jewish guy living at the time of Jesus. He is not a believer. He thinks Jesus and all his followers are crazy. He's also paid by the Roman government to be a historian and write down facts. Are you tracking with me so far? He wrote works about, about, about antiquity, and you can find he says some things. Now, we just talked about James, right? Josephus referred to Jesus as the brother of James who was martyred. You can read about that in the book of Acts. James is killed in, 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 around the temple uh, during, during the time of the book of Acts. It's chronicled there, all right? This passage both verifies the existence of Christ by a non-Christian, first-century writer, and to what the central claim about him was by his immediate followers, that he was a, the Messiah. Jesus all, or Josephus also confirmed the existence and martyrdom of John the Baptist, the herald of Jesus, the guy who came first. You can read that in the, in the Gospels. What this is saying is there is a Roman historian who confirms that what the New Testament says is absolutely true. Are you tracking with me so far? Not a believer in Christ, a paid dude to keep track of facts by Caesar. Everybody hearing me? He goes on to say, this reference confirms the existence, the name, the mission, the martyrdom of John the Baptist, just as the New Testament presents him. There's an Arabic text that reflects the original content, or the original intent. At this time, there was a, these words, at this time, there was a wise man who was called Jesus. Josephus is still writing. And his conduct was good, and he was known to be virtuous. Many people from among the Jews and other nations became his disciples. Pilate condemned him to be crucified and to die. Are you tracking with me so far? Okay. I'm glad you're with me, Greg. And those who had become his disciples did not abandon his discipleship. They reported that he had appeared to them three days after his crucifixion and that he was alive. And accordingly, listen to what Josephus says, he was perhaps the Messiah. <laughs> well, yeah. Concerning whom the prophets have recounted wonders. That is awesome. A Roman government official adds credence to the fact that what the scriptures say is true. Dictated as it was to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. How cool is that? That's the fact. When Paul says it's a fact. He has risen from the dead. You can take it to the bank. There is an empty tomb in Jerusalem. There was a fellow named Jesus. He was crucified, condemned by Pilate, hung on that cross, and he's not in there anymore. Huh. How you like that? How you like me now? The cool thing about this fact is it gives us a win. We win. This is the whole point of this day. This is the whole point of this celebration. This is the whole point. Because of Christ, we win. See, it, it looked like it was over. It looked like it was bad. In 1 Corinthians 15, we'll read down a little further, starting in verse 21. It says this. So you see, the Apostle Paul writes, Just as death came into the world through a man, a guy named Adam, now the resurrection from the dead has begun. It's not over yet. Just beginning. Through another man. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. But there's an order to this. 
resurrection. Christ was raised first at the harvest. Was, was, was raised as the first of the harvest. Okay, here's the deal. We know certain stories in the scripture that Jesus raised other people to the dead, from the dead. A guy named Lazarus, a girl named a girl who, who was the, the daughter of a, of a fellow in, the, in the, the temple named Jairus, a dignitary. He raised him from the dead, several other people. But here's the deal. Lazarus isn't alive anymore. He died again sometime. We don't know when, where, how. Jairus' daughter, she died again somewhere, sometime. But Jesus is the first of those who have been raised to the dead. You know why? Because he came back to life and he still is. He's the first of all those. Just the beginning. Just the beginning. And we, okay, we're, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm so excited I can't stand myself. I've been trying to contain it all morning. Then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. He's talking about us. Oh, yes, if we know Jesus. After the end, after that, the end will come when he will turn the kingdom over to God the Father, having destroyed every ruler and authority and power. For Christ must reign until he humbles all his enemies beneath his feet. Now check this out. And Paul writes verse 26 like this. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. What do we fear most in life? We we fear death. When's it going to happen? How's it going to happen? What's going to happen when I get who, who, those I, I leave behind? What's going to go on? And we get, we get anxious and worried. We hear reports of earthquakes and tornadoes. We hear about things going on with, with wars and all sorts of things. And we begin to get like, oh, no, what's going to happen? You know why? Because death stares at us all day long and says, I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm coming. And we wonder when and we wonder how. And we live under the cloud of it. Every moment of every day. It's like that, 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 that spoken word piece that Derek, like when you're little, you don't really pay attention to it. But the more you grow, the more you realize he's lurking. He's coming. He's haunting. He's whispering, I'm coming to get you. And the Bible says this, that Jesus conquered him. The, yeah, go ahead. It says the last enemy. The word written there that Paul chooses to use is a word that means the last, like the end of the line. It can mean the utmost. It can mean like the biggest, baddest, ugliest one that there is. He, he took him out too. Is that awesome? We win. Death is defeated. But here's the deal. There's also this thing. Not only is there a fact that he rose from the dead, not only is there a win that he gave to us, he entrusted with us, there's a secret you need to know about. Paul keeps writing the whole chapter of 1 Corinthians 15 is about the resurrection. His resurrection, Jesus, and ours. And there's this secret, he says, is being proclaimed now that's been hidden for all of time until Jesus came. Check this out. The secret is we, because of Christ, get to inherit eternal life. You can't beat that. Verse 51 of 1 Corinthians goes like this. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die. That's pretty cool. We look forward to that day that Jesus made a promise. He said, I'm coming back. I think a guy who can beat death can be good or make good on his promises. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed, all of us who serve and follow Christ. You hear me? It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. 
For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to life forever. Death will no longer reign. Death will no longer rule. Death will no, no longer haunt. Death will no longer mess us up. Death will no longer whisper to us and shout at us. Death will no longer, no longer hang over us like a cloud. Death is defeated because of Christ. And we will rule over death just as Jesus did. And we who are alive will also be transformed. Some of us will not go the gateway of death to heaven. Some of us will be, will be on the earth, walking, breathing, living, eating, hopefully proclaiming the gospel. And one day, a noise is going to sound from heaven, and Jesus is going to split a sky, the scriptures tell us, and he's coming back. At that moment, death will, the chains of death are broken off of us. Woo! I know I'm crazy, but I don't care. He says, for our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. And our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. What's, what's, what's the importance of that secret? Some of you have come this morning and you're, 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 you're grieving right now. You're grieving a loss of a loved one. You're grieving the, the loss of a marriage. You're grieving the loss of, 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 of a job. You're grieving the loss of, of, of something. You're grieving and, and you're trying to get through life. You're trying to get through chaos. You're trying to deal with the fact that you're frail and you're weak and you can't control anything. And here's the deal. At some point in time, if we are in Christ, that will all be changed. We will put on strength because of Christ. We will put on hope because of Christ. We will put on eternity because of Christ. That's beautiful. And it's no longer a secret. Paul let it out of the box. And because of that, there's a victory. There's victory for us. Death has lost its sting. Aaron, you act like you believe that. Listen, I do. When I, when I, when I made that video... At that, at, that, at, that, at that cemetery. That's exactly real. I have preached funerals of those who are dearest to me. I had a grandma look at me from the foot of her bed laying in the hospital at Adena. And I watched her say, listen, don't go any crazy measures. I know where I'm going. And, her, and she smiles and the tears trickles down her face. And I'll tell you what happened. In a couple weeks, we were up at OSU Standing at the foot of her bed at 2 o'clock in the morning on a Monday. Her time's approaching. We get this, we sing about, this is amazing grace. What we did around that bed, we sang, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. We sung clear through it. I'm sitting at the foot of that bed. We get all the way through the song. I grab my grandma's foot. And I say, Grandma, it's okay. This is what she does. Just that fast. Just that peacefully. And I got a chance to preach her funeral a couple days later. And I tell you what, we rejoiced. You know why? Because I know where she is. She had peace that passes understanding. Death was no big deal to her. You know why? Because the sting was pulled out of it. Ha! One day... I'm going to see her again. It's not over. Cancer will no longer rule in her body. Are you hearing me? Frustration and loss and grief will no longer rule her mind and her heart. Jesus will have overcome everything for her and will be reunited. And so the sting of death is, is, is taken out of it. Huh. 
Paul writes about it, verse 54 of 1 Corinthians 15. Then when we are dying, bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die. The scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death. And the law gives sin its power. But listen to these next words, verse 57. But thank God, and Paul puts an exclamation point there. It's okay to be excited about the things of God. Have you ever been to a church where you, you shout and holler? It's okay. I'm not against those. I, I texted a bunch of pastors this morning. I said, go get them. I'm praying for you, brother. Preach the gospel. Take no prisoners. Get every one of them. They don't all do church like we do church. But you know what? I think it's okay for what Jesus has done for us to over-supersede everything else and for us just to be a little bit excited. Paul puts an exclamation point, but thank God I can hear him screaming. Thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's victory for us. There's hope for us. He gives us an encouragement after he, he, he describes that victory. He, he, he leaves us with one thought. He says, nothing you do toward God or for him is in vain. Some of you are sitting here this morning and you've contemplated spiritual things and you've, complicated where, you, you, you've contemplated where your life is and, and what's going on and, 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 and you know you need to make a change and you're trying to decide. Somebody invited you to service this morning. You've got a postcard in the mail or something like that and you, you're, just, you're processing. Can I encourage you? Take, taking a step towards Jesus is never a bad thing. To, working towards Christ, coming near him. I don't know if that would work. Listen, you, you can't come and work towards Christ. He already did the work. He said, I got it. Just come to me. Don't clean yourself up. Don't try and straighten it out. I got it. Just trust me. Walk with me. Quit trying to be good enough. Because you can't. I can't. Nobody in this room can be good enough to, 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 to allow God, to, to, to give God reason enough to bring them into heaven. The one person who was died for us, so none of the rest of us have to. You can't. But he does say, come near me. So when you come near him, things happen. And it's not in vain. It's not useful. Let's look at verse 58. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing, listen to these words, for nothing that you do for the Lord is ever useless or is ever in vain. One of the best things you can do today is take a step towards Jesus. If you're in grief, if you're in hurt, if you're in loss, take a step towards Jesus. If, 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 you, if you are frustrated and angry, if you're discouraged and depressed, if you need hope in your, in, in, in your mind, you need healing in your body, take a step towards Jesus. It is not in vain. Make movement toward him. 1 Corinthians 15, 8. So my dear brothers, be strong and immovable. Huh. Always, always work enthusiastically for the Lord. Not because you have to to get to heaven, because you're already on your way to heaven and you get to. Big difference. Big difference. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. The coolest thing about this whole story is Jesus not only appears to Peter and the twelve, he he not only appears to the 500 people, he not only comes to his brother James who thought he was crazy, he not only comes to Paul who persecuted his followers, he makes a reappearance one day with a guy named John. Wrote the last book of the Bible. Wrote the gospel of John. Wrote two, three other books in the, in the scripture with his name on it. 
he, he, he comes and he, he shows up again many, many years later. This is, the last, this is the latest written book in the entire New Testament. Nearly approaching 100 A.D., about 70 years after Jesus died on the cross and was buried and raised again and went to heaven, John's exiled for his faith. He's in prison and Jesus comes to him. Beautiful. Some of you feel like you're in prison today. You're trapped by life. You're trapped by stuff. You're trapped. And the same Jesus that came to John in prison is coming towards you. He's reaching towards you. He, he, he comes to him. And John writes these words in Revelation 1.17. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead, I guess. Can you imagine being in shock? It's been 70 years. Haven't seen him. Haven't been near him. Haven't talked to him. And all of a sudden, there he is talking to you. I would faint too. I think. Crazy. And listen to Jesus' words. But he laid, Paul's words, or John's words, but he laid his right hand on me. And just like he told the disciples, his first words to them there that first night after he'd, he'd appeared to them, peace be with you. He goes, don't be afraid. You have nothing to fear, ladies and gentlemen, if Jesus is with you and if you're with him. Doesn't matter how ugly, how bad, how difficult, how dark life is, you have nothing to fear if you're walking with him and if he's walking with you. You have nothing to fear. He reaches with his right hand towards you and he says, listen, don't be afraid. Why does he say that? I am the first and the last. John 1 tells us he was in the beginning with God, that he was God. And he created all things. He said, I, I said that, that verse in the, in the video, he, he said, in him was life. And that life was the light of men. Huh. And the Bible says darkness could not comprehend it, could not overtake it. John 1, I am the first. He says, and I'm the last. I'll be here cleaning this place up when it all comes down. I'm the first and the last. I am the one, I am the living one. I died, but look. It's like he's saying like this. Look, I'm alive forevermore. Look at my hands, John, again. Remind, remember, John, we've seen this before. My hands. The, the piercings in my hands, the hole in my side, the scars from the thorns in my head. Look, John, I'm still here. He looks at you and says, look, I'm here. I've never gone anywhere. I've been calling to you since you could, uh, could, you, since you could begin to understand about, begin to understand what life was and where life was going. I've been beckoning. I've been calling. I'm alive. And I hold the keys to death and the grave. He said, you're locked up by this death thing, John. You're locked up with this death thing, Joe, Gene, Rufus. I don't know what your name is. You're locked up, but I come to set you free. I got the keys. I can get you home. Follow me. I get you out of this mess you're in. Death has no hold on you any longer because of me, John. The grave is nothing to be feared, John, because of me. I got it. The worst thing that happened to any of us on this life is that we die. But if we're in Christ, death ain't no big deal. He's got the keys to it. What's the worst that can happen to you? You can suffer and do what? Eventually die. And Jesus is like, listen, I got it. 
No matter what you're going through, no matter what addiction you have, no matter what sickness you're facing, no matter what problems you have in life, no matter what financial distress you're in, no matter what shame and guilt is plaguing your life, no matter what is happening, Jesus says these words, I got it. I got the keys. You can be free. I can take the shackles off. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Learn from me. You will find rest for your souls. Some of you are very restless. You know why? You think you've got to work for it. You think you've got to fix it. You think you've got to make it right. You can't. Only he can. And he says, come to me and learn to be restful. Come to me and learn to just be because you're loved just because you are. Not because of what you can do. You're not less than because you can't do what so-and-so does. You're, 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 You're my child. I formed you. I saw you as you were being knit together. In fact, I was in the process of putting your genes together just right. And I love you because you are. I love you. And I don't want you bound up by this stuff anymore. I don't want fear to ravage your heart anymore. I don't want death to scare you anymore. I don't want grief to rule every decision that you make anymore. I don't want addiction to be there staring at you, wondering if this is going to be the day I get that, I, I do too much, take it too far, and end up in the grave. I've done those kind of funerals. I've been there where a young person with the life by the tail, doing their thing, wanting their stuff, Doing whatever, and they end up in that spot where they did it one too many times. Let the family grieving, and you know what? God says, I can set you free from that. You don't have to be bound to that stuff anymore. Want proof? The orange shirt that was sitting down here a little bit ago. You don't have to be bound to addiction any longer. You don't have to. I wish you could hear Derek's story. Maybe you should come back someday and roll in and tell it again. You don't, have to, you don't have to be bound by it. Some of you is alcoholism. You wake up every morning when, you, when that next beer is going to get down your throat. You know what Jesus says? You don't need that. You need me. Some of you, it, it, it's, it's that next shopping trip. And you live to, to get more stuff. And no matter how much stuff you buy and how many credit cards you rank up, no matter how much, you're just trying to and find something that satisfies, something that fills, something that helps. And you know what? It's not working. And you keep spending and going further and further in debt. You know why? Because death is lurking and you're trying to avoid it by dressing nice putting on new shoes, buying that new car, getting that new TV, doing whatever, and it's still not full. I'm just living while I got the chance, and you're just you're dying at the same time. And Jesus says, listen, I got it. I got it. He conquered death. And if he can conquer death, he, he, he got the rest of it. He, he has conquered fear. Fear has no place. The Bible says his perfect love drives it away. Fear is no match for him. He holds the keys to the death and to the grave. And he right now wants to unlock the opportunity for life on this side and for eternal life, for eternity for us right here today. And whatever you're dealing with, whatever's whatever's happening, he's got it. 